the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Let's open our Bibles to Galatians, the sixth chapter, and we'll be looking at verses 11 through 18. And this is where Paul concludes a somewhat negative letter with exhortation and guidance. And there's some very important things that we can glean from what Paul has written here. He doesn't break away from what he's been teaching us and what he's been showing the Galatians about their condition. He doesn't break away from the truth of where they need to be and how Christ has made them to live. He puts a a fine point on it, and he doesn't break away from his criticism of the Judaizers. He really, really wants the Galatians to see them for who they are. He wants them to be unveiled before their eyes. So, He also, in the course of this study, we have talked a great deal about what it means to walk after the flesh versus walking according or by the Spirit. That was a very impactful study because he reduces it down to the, to the Christian life to its simplest place of understanding. Apart from salvation, our need to live this life by faith, is to walk according to who we are, who God has made us to be by the Spirit. If we don't do that, there's no middle ground. There's no, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. If we don't live according to the Spirit, we are living according to the flesh. That is carnal living. And one of the reasons that the Galatians could not see these Judaizers for the deceivers that they are is because they were carnal. They were walking according to the flesh. And here's something you need to understand. Some of us often will will get mad at God. How in the world, God, did you allow me to get myself in this position? Why is it that I was so deceived? How did I get taken off into this, this or that or uh, this kind of behavior or that kind of behavior? And I will tell you, it's very clear. Guess what? It's your fault. Because you have been walking according to the flesh, and when you walk according to the flesh, you are blind to spiritual truth. 
You are looking away from the, from the one who makes all things clear. You have literally told wisdom to be quiet in your soul. And you have embraced man's wisdom and your own reasoning. And you can always tell when you're going down that road because you start rationalizing. You start saying, well, you know, it's not, it, there, there's no wrong, right or wrong about this. I can do what I want to do. But you start that internal conversation and you've got to wonder who you're really trying to prove this to. And typically, when we go down that road, it's because we have been walking according to the flesh. Now, the other th- problem with walking according to the flesh is it becomes so familiar. It becomes so normal for us that we don't even begin to recognize the work of the enemy in our own home or in our own lives, in how it affects our perceptions of our mates, of our job, of the things around us, how earthy our thinking becomes. Because when you walk according to the flesh, you become earthy. The world is your reality. We're going to talk some more about this as I uh, go through the text. Paul is not done with the topic of walking after the flesh versus walking by the Spirit. It's a choice that we literally make moment by moment. It's not something we, a decision we made at salvation and walk away from. It's a choice that we make moment by moment that we are going to live by faith, and it must be done by faith, by faith in the spiritual reality of who we are. It is a privilege, a privilege beyond our understanding to walk in the truth of who we are. It's a high calling. It is an opportunity to embrace all that God has created us to be when we choose to walk by the Spirit. And in contrast, it is an insult to the one who loves you most to walk after the flesh. It is discounting all that God has given us through His Son. Just because we don't feel the enormity of this choice does not make the truth of it any less impactful. And this is what I was talking about, how walking according to the flesh becomes normal to us. We don't feel the enormity of our decision. We don't feel that undertow that is pulling us deeper and deeper into a worldly perspective. And that's what happens. Suddenly what the people are saying at work or on the news begins to make sense. The reasoning of the world begins to make sense. And we start dismissing sin and rationalizing carnality in our own lives. This is walking according to the flesh. In this conclusion, you will see... Once again, Paul's determination to live in the reality of who he is in Christ. And he says this once, he says it very clearly, he will live to nothing, he will glory to nothing but the cross. And I want you to understand that because we've, we've heard that said quite a bit in Christian circles. I will glory in nothing but the cross. That cross is not just a wooden fixture that Jesus hung on. The cross in this text, the cross that Paul is referring to here, represents the completed work of Christ. Okay? It is representative of all that God has done through His Son, Jesus. So when he says, 
I will glory in nothing but the cross. He says, I will glory in nothing but the completed work of Christ. I will glory in nothing but what Christ has done, what God has wrought through the life of Christ. I will glory in nothing else. The cross here is seen as the basis of life and victory, not just the basis of Christ's death. Okay? With that in mind, let's begin with verse 11. Verse 11, he writes, See with what large letters I'm writing to you and with my own hand. Now, I have read quite a bit on this verse, most of which I consider to be majoring on the minor. But I believe that God really doesn't waste a single word. There's a reason why this verse is in in the scripture. And there are three thoughts concerning this verse, which are worth considering. One, Paul wrote this because of bad eyesight, okay? Two, Paul had messy handwriting, and he wanted to make sure that it would be easier for others to read. Three, Paul was giving emphasis to what he is writing in the same way people use caps today. I personally believe it was for emphasis. Though Paul alludes to issues with his eyes, he doesn't consistently make mention of his bad writing or his big lettering. Only here where he is closing out a very emotional letter. And Paul was both a scholar and a thinker. And the scholar and a thinker would be very determined to be able to communicate with clarity and put in his letter the power of emphasis on what he was saying. So it makes sense to me that he would write it in big letters so they can make no mistake concerning his heart on the subject. Also, it was Paul's custom. He normally dictated these things to a secretary. But at the close of a letter, he would sign his own name or write a closing greeting. This was customary for Paul. And the reason, one of the reasons he did this, number one, was to personalize it. And number two, there were a lot of fraudulent letters out there, people saying in the name of Paul, writing all kinds of heretical nonsense. So Paul is writing this, I believe, in big letters so that they understand the, the emphasis that he's placing on it. Now, in verse 12, he says, Those who want to make a good impression in public before the Jews try to compel you to be circumcised, just so they will escape being persecuted for faithfulness to the cross of Christ. So once again, Paul addresses the deception of the Judaizers. They were proud. They were self-confident men. They were men that would show themselves to be leaders. They were the envy of men. They were part of the party of the circumcision, and he tells us that. And it must have been a very large, influential party. That They are the party that contested Paul's teaching in the church of Jerusalem. You remember that? And they are also the party that Peter was afraid of and, and had backed off of eating with the Gentiles. Remember, Paul confronted him on that one. This is that same party. So they're apparently big and influential. And had a lot of people running for them. They were determined. They were committed. And for them, this is all about the numbers, okay? For them, it was all about how many converts they could put together. And the bona fides of a convert was circumcision. 
That's how they knew that this person had really converted. If they were willing to go through circumcision, they must be on board. They must be part of the team. And this was something that they boasted in. They bragged about. They bragged about it. And who were they bragging to? They were bragging to the other people, uh, Jewish people, who were of the same persuasion. They were bragging probably to a constituency back in Jerusalem who were egging them on in their... Uh, in their uh, heretical teaching. So they were out to make a good show to the party. And they were religionist salesmen. That's what quote I read, a religionist salesman. I mean, you can see them all dressed up. They're probably pretty people, uh, well-spoken and eloquent, the kind of person that the flesh would readily follow. And they were out to sell a lie. They were out to make an appeal to the flesh of men. Because you see, in order to draw man into deceit, what does he have to, what do we have to appeal to? The flesh. Absolutely. So, you know, Satan's not going to call this unsightly curmudgeon of a person, this individual that's, that doesn't speak well or doesn't talk well and, and is not one of the pretty people. He's not going to call one of those. He'll call some handsome dude with a cheese-eating grin and a fancy suit that's going to stand up in front of them and say, you know what, if you want to be successful, if you want to be prosperous... If you want to do well, then you need to heed my words. Any similarity to someone else is not intended. But the reality of it is that a lot of this is going on and these people are are falling for it. So, here's the thing about selling the flesh. The flesh is always in the market to buy a good lie. They'll believe a good lie over the truth any day. Because the flesh does not like the truth. The truth confronts them. The truth condemns them. And so they will buy the lie. And they will defend the lie. Now that's not just in religious matters. That's in your day to day. When you make decisions about how you're going to see people. Or how you're going to react to people. Or what you're going to do. How you're going to behave. You would much rather justify the flesh than agree with the truth. Most of the time, you think that's not your heart. That's not who you are. The enemy wants to convince you that the flesh is you. So, these guys were coming in making a good show. Verse 13, he says, For even the circumcised Jews themselves do not really keep the law, But they want to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. That is, in fact, that they can, that is, in the fact that they convinced you to be circumcised. They're going to brag about that. Now, these teachers and advocates of a Mosaic law did not keep the law themselves. Well, that's a real shock. We know that no man can keep the law, and no man has saved Christ himself. But Paul is not bringing that up. Just to point that out, he brings it up because these guys weren't even doing a good job of trying to keep the law. They weren't interested in keeping the law. They had no desire to keep the law. And let me give you a little bit about what the attitude, I believe, was of this 
circumcision organization. It was about getting converts and drawing more people in. And your bona fides was, number one, you became part of their party. Number two, that you were circumcised. And when you did that, you entered into their deception. But what you got in return is that being a member of the circumcision, you are now okay with God. Through an external sign, you have dismissed with all the other obligations. You could now walk around free, and you could decide how you were going to handle the Mosaic Law, how you were going to do... Because that's what they were doing. It's a religious ticket to live to the flesh. So a lot of people were interested. You know, brother, if you want to be in good with God, if you want salvation, you want God to to bless you and prosper you, all you need to do is go through this little procedure. And then you'll, you'll have the favor of God upon you. Never mind that you live like the devil most of the time. Paul is not making the point that they just couldn't keep the law. He's saying that these charlatans didn't even make a sincere effort. And they were all about the circumcision, which was the initiation into the law of Moses It was a mark that indicated physical children of Abraham. It was an identification with Israel. It was an external evidence. They were putting their hope in God on an external evidence. Some of your translations may have the word compelled. The Greek word there means to pressure, to push, to intimidate into something. And this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 23 as he addresses the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel over sea and land to make a single proselyte convert to Judaism. And when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Now, there again is the point I was making earlier, that this individual was becoming a convert so that he could get his ticket into favor with God and then live pretty much the way he wanted to. That's what the Pharisees did. They lived with a great deal of pomp and a lot of piety, but in the, in the back rooms and in their internal dealings, they were corrupt as the day is long. They had justified their position by saying, oh, but I'm a Pharisee. This is carnality in the religious world, and it didn't stop in ancient Jerusalem. It's going on right now. I can't tell you how many Christians are going to church doing the things they ought to do because they want to keep the external mark before men in order to have some favor with God while their hearts are for the flesh, their desire is to live to the flesh, and they're continually manipulating the whole definition of what sin is so that they can indulge themselves as they choose. Jesus pointed it out, and Paul, in his time pointed it out as well. Paul, as I said, wants so badly for the Galatians to see these guys for who they are. And the flesh is blind. It is when you walk in the truth that you are able to participate in the wisdom of God. And I know this. And it's good that the Spirit of God writes that upon the wall of your soul. Because you're going to get to places where, you know, you've, walked, you've fallen away or you've walked according to the flesh for a while and then something hits you and you're, you're just blindsided by it. And, and then suddenly it all, you know, the enemy's real good about pulling you into something and then opening your eyes to what mess it is. 
Yeah? And all of a sudden you feel like you've been absolutely blindsided by all of this and you, and you don't know how to, how to handle it before the Lord. And you know what? This is a good time just to say to God, Father, I repent of operating out of my own wisdom. I repent. And Lord, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to go forwards. I don't want to go sideways. I don't want to go anywhere until I know for sure with clarity that I have yielded myself completely to you. He thought I was going to ask for the will of God. <laughs> that is the will of God. I want to be yielded. I want to be given unto you. I want to walk in the truth, Lord. And I don't know what the truth is, except that it's Jesus. I don't know how it applies to this circumstance. I have no idea. I'm a sheep. But I'm trusting you. And I'm moving forward. And you know what? Don't we want to learn to live that way? Don't we want to learn to make that a daily occurrence? Not falling away, but seeking Him, yielding to Him, listening for Him, watching for Him, making the priority, not learning how to navigate in this world, but learning how to walk with Him. You walk with Him and you'll navigate just fine. Verse 14, Paul writes, But far be it from me to boast in anything or anyone except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, these false teachers have been boasting in their converts, and Paul declares, As for me, I boast in the cross. Paul is boasting in the completed work of Christ. He's boasting in what Christ has made him. He's boasting in the new creation work. He's boasting in the spiritual condition of his life. He's boasting in the truth of who Christ is and the work that he's done. He is boasting on who, how he is supernaturally carried and kept. That is what he's boasting in. He's not boasting in his ability to reach people. He's not boasting in the work of Christ. He's boasting in the work Christ has done. Now, Paul's determination, his determination not to glory in the flesh is not just contrast to the false teacher. It is the way that Paul is determined to live. He's determined to live in the shadow of the cross as it represents the whole of what Jesus has done. Paul is determined not to see the flesh as his life. The life that he lives in the body, he lives by faith, by adhering to, relying on, completely trusting in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself up for him. He says, this is the way I am determined to live, by faith in this truth. I don't want to live any other way. There's no yeah buts, there's no what abouts, there's no shoulda, woulda, coulda, this is it for me. It reminds me of Joshua, where he stands before the people and calls on them to choose. And that's what Paul is doing through this declaration. He's saying, choose to walk in truth. Choose that you will glory, you will make nothing else the priority of your life, but Jesus, the work of Christ in you. Joshua 24, 14 and 15, he stands before the people of Israel and he says, Now therefore... Fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and remove the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. 
if it is unacceptable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now that is not just about whether or not to go in and take the land or whether or not to be obedient to a specific command. What Joshua is doing, he's saying, your lives have been corrupted, co-opted. You're playing both ends. You're talking about being the people of God and you're maintaining idols in your own home. Allegiances. You're, you're distracted from truth. And you know. He doesn't go and say, okay, Brother Ephraim, I know about the idol on the back shelf in your room. And you over there, Brother Joseph, I know about the idol underneath your wife's bed. And, and you, he doesn't go there. He completely leaves it completely open to the Spirit of God to move people to a choice. And that's what the Spirit of God does. He won't leave you on center. If you think you're on center, you've chosen. And he says, choose today. Make a determination. This is not a simple thing of just checking a box and walking out the door. Paul says, this is how I will live. I will live no other way. Choose you this day. Make a determination. Paul says, I'm determined to glory in the work that Christ has done in me and for me. This is not a message for the lost. The lost have no glory in the cross. It's a message to the child of God. The cross is the basis of life and victory for the Christian. The cross is our point of separation from the flesh as our life and the world as our home. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.